Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You are here with the Beer Ladies podcast, and we are on episode 30, if you can believe it. I mean, I don't think that uh, a year ago or so we thought we'd even get this far, but it's absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, we're at episode 30. Today, we're going to be talking about one of those beer styles that has become synonymous with beer, synonymous with craft beer, and that is IPAs. So we're going to go through a little bit about the different kinds of IPAs, uh, do a little bit of myth busting. We're going to tell you kind of what to expect from the flavor profiles. Um, we're going to talk about our favorites and um, <laughs> we're, going, we're, going to, we're going to see what craft beer, um, how craft beer has benefited from the addition of the India Pale Ale. Righto. So before we get into uh, what you're drinking, how about I just remind you all, please to go and um, like us, follow us, subscribe, do all of those things on all the various social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, gosh, where else are we? We're everywhere. Just go find us. We're Beer Ladies Podcast or Beer Ladies Pod on Twitter because there weren't enough characters. We are also on YouTube. So if you'd like to watch along and uh, see which beers we're drinking with your eyes instead of your ears, hop on over there. We're so, so, so close to our uh, 100 subscribers, which gives us a little vanity URL. And uh, we're dying for that. So please, please, please let it be you. Don't subscribe. Even if you only listen to the podcast, um, do, us a, do us a great favor and go and subscribe over on YouTube. Um, that, that would help us tremendously. All right, guys, we are here today with my excellent friends, Lisa and Christina, and we're going to talk IPAs. So, Lisa, let's go to you first. What are you drinking? So, Tandy, I am drinking Remember When West Coast IPA from Stone Barrel. So, so keeping it local, but also going um, what, what feels old school West Coast. And uh, for, for those who are just listening, I'll describe it to you. It's this lovely, deep golden color, very clear, very clear. Uh, important. We're going to get into a lot of that, but uh, definitely, you know, nice and, and bitter, you know, really, uh, really good sort of citrusy hops, just uh, citrusy piney hops definitely has that sort of, uh, I'll say, 1990s, early 2000s feel to it. So very happy with it so far. Lovely. Christina, what have you got? Okay, so um, Meadowman actually very kindly sent me a box with um, some lovely like merch, which Ooh. I'm obsessed with because they've just launched their new line. Oh, is it is it a new line of beer or is it new branding overall? 
It's a new line of beer, I think, awesome. my understanding. Um, and I'm uh, like loving it because it's like beautiful uh, branding, mid-centuristic, yeah. mm. which I'm so here for because my house is mid-century modern, so I love this. <laughs> um, adore it. Um, so they sent me like a box of beer and some of this, and so one of the beers they sent me, which I think is the first of the line, which is the Giant Molecular Clouds, which is oh. a New England IPA. Um which I love. So very fruity, lots of tropical notes, definitely does what it says on the tin, really enjoying it. That is awesome. Okay, great. So we've got one West Coast and we've got one East Coast, effectively. I'm going to tip the hat either which oh. way I'm tipping it. We're going, we're going West Coast today. <laughs> I've got a Scraggy Bay from Kinnegar. And um, it's, it's, it's their flagship, which is funny because it's also got a ship on it, but it's their <laughs> flagship IPA and it's a, it's a killer. Like it's always, it's just always a good beer. It's one of those, um, it's one of those that when you're in the mood for an IPA, you kind of reach for one of these and I love it. I think it's great. So now that we've got, uh, we've got two on the side of West Coast and one on the side of East Coast, <laughs> I thought what I might do is to just um, introduce the kind of the different kinds of IPAs that we've got and what even is an IPA anyway um, for those for those who don't know there's there's um, always people learning about different beers so why not an IPA is a India pale ale we're going to get to why it was named that a little later on but it's an India pale ale and it is um, known for its bitterness so bitterness comes from hops hops have different flavors so it can be um bitter in an earthy way it can be bitter in a fruity way it can be bitter in a number of different ways but it is quite a, a bitter beer um and it is one of those where the hops are fairly prominent it's not it's not just the bitterness that they're prominent in it's also the flavor and the aroma so the difference between something like a pale ale and an india pale ale is more bitterness more hop aroma more kind of in your face now i mean that's probably the most basic thing in the world right um it's really funny because ipas aren't always that pale but they're paler than porters which is apparently how they uh, became pales all right so there are different kinds of ipas and they can they can almost be mapped in a matrix if you want to onto a scale if you really wanted but bang on kind of in the middle is your english ipa which is supposed to be the beginning or the start of IPAs. And uh, they're, they're known for higher bitterness than other English styles of beer, but with different kinds of hops as well. So those more earthy floral hops, those are very sort of English. Now, on the very kind of other end of the extreme are the sort of American IPAs, which are much more bitter, much more pronounced, much more hoppy. And hoppy and bitter are not the same things. So hoppy is when you can taste or smell the characteristics of the hops besides bitterness, bitterness can be hidden, even, you know, even, um, even as much as you add, it can be hidden without giving you a hoppy flavor. So anyway, there are different kinds of IPAs. So some of the ones that I think we all know about are East Coast and West Coast. So West Coast IPAs, like Lisa and I, we're both drinking that, are more known for their bitterness. <laughs> They're more known for their bitterness. Um, Whereas East Coast IPAs are more known for their hoppiness. And the difference is in the brewing. So in the brewing, um, there are different times of the boil that you can add hops and they'll lend different characteristics to the beer. In a West Coast IPA, you're adding quite a lot of hops at the beginning of the boil. So that means that the beer has got a long time to sit with those hops and be exposed to the bitterness and get all of those juices and all of those oils out to make it really, really bitter. East Coast IPAs or New England IPAs, as they're sometimes called as well, are 
much more late hopped or dry hopped. So they don't have a lot of bittering hops. They've got more aroma hops and they come bucket loads at the end of the boil. So they don't have, um, they don't have a lot of bitterness, but they do have a lot of hoppiness. Um, there are some other differences between them, such as like East Coast IPAs often have wheat or oats added to them for like a smoother, creamier mouthfeel. Um, whereas West Coast IPAs, you're almost going for clarity. That was that was the fashion before East Coast came back came, came in, right? Exactly. Now there are there are other kinds of IPAs which I think are worth mentioning. So one is a rye IPA. So it's just an IPA that's got some of the grain bull um, replaced with rye, which I love personally. Rye IPAs are one of my favorites. Uh, but to be fair, I like anything with rye. <laughs> um, we've got uh, we've got double and triple IPAs. So that just means you know an IPA is normally between six and eight percent alcohol. When you're in double IPA territory, you're adding more ingredients, more malts, more hops more everything. <laughs> and um, and it just results in a higher ABV beer. So normally between 8, 9, 10%, that's what you're looking at. And then you get triple IPAs, which, I mean, just throw everything in there. Why not? And <laughs> I've you're got a get... quote about those in a bit. Well, great. Get that. <laughs> and, th- and those you're looking at, you know, you know, 11, 12, 13% sometimes for one beer, which is, you know, absolutely crazy. Although the Belgians do it well. Um, speaking of Belgians, uh, you do get Belgian IPAs. Now, there is a little bit of talk as to whether it's um, Belgian yeast with IPA ingredients, which I think is kind of common, or whether you'd almost use some of the Belgian ingredients, but but hop it like an IPA. Mm. So I think it could be either. It could be interpreted either way. And that's okay. Um, red IPAs are any um, IPA that's had some of the grain bill replaced with like a red X or something that gives it a redness, which often lends a little bit more of a caramel or a toffee sort of sweetness to it. And then one of the best ones, one of the best ones, guys, let's build up. It's a black IPA. Yes. Don't Thank we you. love We're a black IPA? Stands for black IPA. I don't care oh. if people call it that. I, I have no issue with it. No. So, so it's also, I understand why people do. Mm-hmm. So Cascadian Dark Ales or black IPAs, originated from the Northwest, didn't they, the Pacific Northwest? That's maybe. Why maybe. <laughs> All right, we'll get, we'll get there. But those, those are now IPAs that have got roasted, it's roasted malts, it roasted malts in it to give it that black, almost like it looks like a stout, tastes like an IPA, best thing ever. But it's, it's one of those balancing acts, you know, you can't, just, uh, you can't just add darkness to an IPA that simply. Then we've got, um, we've got now, they don't change the flavor of the IPA that much, but it changes the alcohol. So we've got session IPAs, which are 5% or lower, normally in your 4.5% range, which are good for your easy everyday drinking, have more than one, you know, those kinds of days, and even micro IPAs. So now we're talking less than 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suppose that could be any beer, but it's been done with IPAs. So that's why we know them. Right. That's, that's, that's the IPAs that I can think of. Um, and there's so many, like, I think you could find your favorite within an IPA range, even if you don't like bitter beers, which is one of um, the biggest, I guess, crimes in, in air quotes <laughs> against IPAs. A lot of people don't like that bitterness, but there are IPAs that are not bitter. So that for me was a really interesting thing. You can look for happiness without bitterness, or you can look for bitterness without necessarily getting the happiness. Mm-hmm. On that I'm going to um, tell you all and ask Lisa and Christina to start bringing out their uh, myth-busting chops here because (laughs) I heard a rumor, and I'm sure everyone has, right? Everyone knows the story. Wow. 
that IPAs originated from um, from England, and the reason that they were called India Pale Ales was because people added more hops um, in the barrels as they were traveling to India, you know, colonists and all of that. Um, and it was said that IPAs came came from adding more hops, which gave the beers a longer shelf life, so it preserved the beers, and that's why it was called an India Pale Ale. So you guys, tell me where I'm wrong, or am I? <laughs> It's so hard because it's lies, but it's also not. It's yeah. it's 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 one of those things where there are parts of that that are true, uh, probably, and then Christina, there are parts of it that are just lies. But yeah, it's hard to disambiguate. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where there's a little bit of truth to some of the things. And people have made connections between those things that don't exist. So parts of it we have evidence for, and because we have evidence for those pieces, people have gone, okay, well, because we know this, then this must be true, but that part isn't. So we can kind of sort of break it down into what things that we do know um, and what things have then taken this sort of folkloric, mythical uh, turn. Exactly. And some of this we can we can blame on the British Guild of Beer Writers because they had a conference in 1994 where they were like, IPA, what is it? And, you know, not many people were, were making them at that point. Not many people were drinking them at that point. Although, you know, I can certainly think back and, and remember a couple here and there, but just not the ubiquity, certainly. And they were definitely seen as a kind of, you know, historical artifact, a bit strange. But, and again, there were people doing some some good research in that area. We'll, we'll get to a little bit more of that. But a lot of it was really kickstarted by the sort of, well, we have this received wisdom that this is what happened, but there's not a lot of evidence for that. A lot of the sort of, you know, story about, you know, you know, we, we made the IPA super hoppy so it would survive the trip really comes from, we made the Madeira really strong to survive the trip to India. And there's, there's a lot there, I think, to, to unpack that uh, Pete Brown does a great job in his hops and glory book. So uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, I went to his book club uh, the other week online, and he, he made the great point that, uh, well, well, first of all, he showed some really fun behind-the-scenes pictures from uh, this book, which I highly recommend, a, a lot of fun. But uh, he, he's pointed out that nowadays you can es- essentially append IPA to the end of anything, and it becomes a beer style that people, mm. you know, air quotes, recognize. But that historic piece gets lost if it even really existed in the first place. But again, there, there is this bit, again, this nugget of truth that, you know, beers were getting shipped out to India and certainly other, we'll say, warm places in the British colonies. But uh, Porter was still much, much, much more, um, you know, what was being sent out. And no one talks about that. And I think that's really, really interesting. I think we'll, we'll circle back to that a little bit more. But it's it's fascinating to me that we sort of make these assumptions because Madeira was shipped out so that it would age on the way, effectively, we can't really the say line. exactly, okay. exactly. So we can't really say exactly the same thing about the beer. Uh, but I think there is this thing that we've kind of lost in that 18th, early 19th century beer. You either have your fresh beer, your mild, or your beer that you would age for a while. And we've, we've sort of lost that um, sort of understanding, I think. So how much of that, though, was meant to be fresh versus not? I think we don't have a really good idea. We don't know, you know, to what extent there was, you know, sort of, well, what we'll call like local, local in air quotes, you know, uh, IPA or certainly pale ale that was being drunk fresh versus sort of 
aging for six months, 12 months, whatever. And there's, there's a lot there that we only have, you know, records from some breweries and not others too. We don't know who was doing what. So I think Christina, mm. you, you made some really good points about the bits we do have suggest some things, but they're not definitive. Yeah. Mm. And, and I, 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 so Martin Cornell, I think um, is an absolute expert on this and he's really um sort of pulled this, this, these myths that are surrounding IPA apart in a, just an absolutely wonderful way. Um, and so uh, if you go on his blog, which we'll link in the show notes, oh, yeah. um, he has just done extensive research, research on this. Um, and we can kind of go over some of the things that he has found and what that could tell us and what it doesn't tell us, because it, it, a lot of it just, it doesn't tell us things. It offers suggestions, possibilities, Things that we might say, well, maybe, but it doesn't really give us necessarily finite, clear answers on all of the things discussed. So um, with that being said, um, some of the things that that Martin Cornell has found is that um, that there's evidence of pale ale brewed under that name by 1705 and that um, it was sold in London by 1709. So with export of beer and ale um, to India as early as 1711. And so now this is the thing that the thing that I'm going to say next, which is what people kind of take and then run with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, this is where things start getting confusing. Um, so he says, um, based on um, Martin Cornell's research, that by the 1760s, brewers were advised um, to add extra hops to beer if it was being sent to warmer climates. Um, but there's no evidence linking this advice to hop export beer um, to any specific brewery or anything like that. That said, when we see this, if they're being advised to add extra hops to beer if it was being exported to warmer climates, that doesn't necessarily say that they were doing it. It doesn't necessarily say that everyone listened to it. It doesn't say, you know, we, you have to be careful with this information. And when we're saying extra hops, well, what was the, you know, what was the hop rate of the beer that they were initially having? Is it this IPA level hops that we have now, or is it maybe just like what we would determine, determine a pale ale? There's lots of different layers to this. Mm. Um, and, and that being said, no one's calling it an IPA at this time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we, and again, Martin has done amazing work and, you know, he has traced the, the earliest uh, reference to India pale ale, you know, not from any British publication, not from anything in India, but Australia, Sydney, Australia in <laughs> August of 1829. So still very much in the colonial sphere, certainly, but uh, and, and, and it's written in such a way that suggests that, you know, this was not an unknown term people certainly so it probably does exist somewhere else out there it would have at least been you know something people could speak about and, and know about but it's it's interesting that that's the first so far we, we've found and before he, he I think at the earliest one he found before that was from Liverpool in the 1830s so he's mm -hmm. managed to get it back a little further and again like any good research he's like this is the earliest we have found so far it's not suggesting right. this is definitive but it, it's really really interesting that it does come in kind of a a colonial setting, if, if you like, but it's, it's, again, it was a British beer. It wasn't something being made in Australia and then sent further on to India. It was, you know, talking about a UK brewery that would send their India pale ale. And it, I think you have to think too, like, what does that mean and, and to whom? Because we know that, again, 
the vast majority of what was getting sent to India and other colonies was porter. The, the IPA or the pale ale was for, for the poshos who were the officer class. So <laughs> is this, you know, is this something that, you know, sort of resonated with a specific audience or, you know, with a specific purchaser? I think that's something too, we kind of need to unpack, you know, there's these sort of class elements, all these other things that yeah. we, we kind of know bits and pieces of, but was that different at home versus abroad? I mean, there, there's a lot there. And, and certainly if you think about, you know, through the Irish lens where you are sending your West Indies export porter, do you think of that as being a super hoppy beer? Like it, it's it's a it's a good question. And and are you being told to add more hops to things going to warm climates because you're not doing it? Like what's the what's driving that as a recommendation? Again, there's there's so many different sort of nuances that it's hard to just say this is the definitive story. Well, and I also think like we're talking about you know like a hundred year span, sort of, or 150, yeah. 200 year span where we're kind of talking about these things. So we have to be really careful when we're comparing like, yeah. you know, 1705 to 1822. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened in that time. Absolutely. And we're not getting context with this. We're not getting sort of the under, you know, a lot of this, uh, these other elements. And so, you know, we have to be careful when we're making these sort of comparisons. But, you know, Martin has really found that there's absolute, there that there's evidence of more hops being added to to um, pale ale if it's being sent to to warmer climates. Um, what, what did warmer climates have to do with 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 adding more hops? Like, what what was the reason? I mean, I think that you know the assumption is, and again, it's always an assumption is that it would last longer, it wouldn't go off. But you know, you, you compare to you know certainly a Pacific Northwest um, IPN, and we'll get to that a little later. But when you have that sort of fresh hop character, that wouldn't have been there. They would never have tasted like no. a beer and certainly the yields you would have gotten would have been very very different in terms of just flavor profiles things like that and they are different hops they specifically later on in this period like more toward the sort of 1850s 1860s were like oh american hops ew gross they they didn't like it because they were you know too flavorful in air quotes that's not <laughs> the full story but it's 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 again it's an interesting thing where we we see little bits and pieces but we don't have the full story and it makes it really hard to unpack what's happening when and what it means. So. And, there, and there's also possibilities that something was originally suggested because they were trying to solve a problem and then people just freaking liked it. And so they just kept yeah. doing it because they just liked it more. Um, mm. Or, you know, a little column A, a little column B, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff like I, 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 there's all different reasons for this and, they might not all be the same and it might not be the same reason that it started out. Right. So Absolutely. it might not. So the, the, you know, the advice that we see in the 1760s might not be the same reason why, like, um, yeah, Martin Cornell found a reference like in 1843, um, that the pale ale prepared for the Indian market was described as carefully fermented. So it was to be devoid of all sweetness or in other words, to be dry and it contains double the usual quantity of hops. And that, that's a quote. Um, so, so the, that's, I mean, 90 years, yeah, <laughs> years, there's, there, there might be a big difference between that. I mean, Lisa mentioned earlier, you know, how IPAs have like slowly crept in to be kind of one of the most popular styles they are now. Mm-hmm. And that's in what, you know, 30 years. So exactly. there, there could be a huge change or reasons w- behind this, this reason, you know, why this is being imported in mm. 80 years. I mean, that can change a lot. Um, it's- 
It occurs to me, though, that, I mean, you know, the beers that we talk about today as being IPAs or, you know, bitter, hoppy, whatever the case is, it really wouldn't have tasted that way in those in those days. Now, these would have been beers going on long journeys. So the beers would have been potentially a lot sweeter because, you know, as, as time goes on, your beer actually gets sweeter. Like it doesn't, you almost would add more hops to keep the balance because you know it's going to sweeten rather than to make it hoppy or mm. bitter if that makes sense. And, um, and, and unless it was really well preserved, it might have a little bit of like staleness or oxidization. So it might be slightly papery and it might be well balanced as opposed to super hoppy, which is what we've interpreted them to be today. You know, hoppy absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea. Oh yes. I go on. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the levels of sanitation that we have now is, is, is just not, they mm. don't have anything exactly. like that. So you, we're talking about a completely different flavor profile. I mean, possible infections, all sorts of things getting into these beers, especially on long journeys. So just, it's a completely different animal than what we're talking about beer now. Mm-hmm. Just- yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly where I was going to go is with the idea of sort of infection and, and different yeasts. You know, there's, there's a sort of back and forth. I feel like there was a sort of back and forth maybe five or 10 years ago. Of, oh, did, did they use Britannomyces, whether accidentally or on purpose? And for a while it was, oh no, they wouldn't have done that. And now it's, I feel like it's come back to, well, how could they have avoided it? You know, mm-hmm. it, it just would have been around. And, and, you know, the fact that, again, Britannomyces, it is the British, you know, if that's kind of where that association comes from, is it because that was just there in, in those beers, especially these that are, what, you know, whether or not they're still fermenting after that long, they're probably not. But, but you know, again, you have to think they were probably kind of sour and, yeah. and in a way that might be, might be fancy now, not necessarily to my taste, but, you know, other <laughs> You know, it, it's an interesting thing that was that, again, what that sort of officer class was into and was it because it was on purpose or not? We don't know. So, Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, like a Brett IPA was one of those styles that I didn't mention earlier, but a Brett IPA would be a soured IPA, you know, a Brett, a, a, an and IPA was soured there, with, yeah. Yeah, with Brett. Um, at the same time, there was that interesting style that was fashionable a little while ago, but now it seemed to go out of style again. And that was the Brute IPAs. You remember Which those? I enjoyed very much mm, for that hot second dry. they were around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I should just say before we get too far ahead, um, if you're interested in learning more about IPAs and IPA styles, I really recommend getting the BJCP style guide mm-hmm. um, app. And um, Tandy talked a lot about the specialty IPAs, and this goes into like the Belgian IPA um, and different sort of specialty IPAs just to kind of give you a little bit more information. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's handy. It's on your phone. Love it. Exactly. And think about how much they've expanded that. I think like when I first did the BJCP exam, whatever, 15 odd years ago, you had American IPA and IPA. And now mm-hmm. you've got all these yeah. others. And, and even True. just to look at the beers that have won either sort of GABF or um, GBBF medals in IPA, they are wildly different things from either what you would get now or, or just kind of... Um, Maybe what you would think of in that in that category. I, I was looking up sort of ones that won in kind of the the early 1990s, and they, I was looking at the uh, GABF, and they tended to be like Anchor Liberty Ale, things that I would think of as like a fairly low key pale mm-hmm. ale these days. Just not that not that level of bitterness, certainly not that level of hoppiness. So it's it's really interesting how how much that's evolved. And again, Christina, to your point, we're talking about a really short period of time, whereas compared to you know sort of 150 odd years of you know a supply chain effectively what think of everything that changed it's it's crazy yeah yeah and it's like 
IPA, I, I feel like for, for a point in time here has just been like a battle of the hops. Who can throw the most hops into yes. an IPA? How many, how much can we shove in there with sort of forgetting that people drink this? Like it just <laughs> sort of like a competition with hops, yes. forgetting like at the end of this, you don't just want to taste like bitterness like have you considered the finish how is the malt interplaying with this what about hop flavor like Mm -hmm. you know not just bitterness it it felt to me for a while there when all these like hop bombs were coming up people were forgetting that there's all these other components that we need to be thinking about oh absolutely forgotten about them (laughs) yeah and yeah especially Mm -hmm. that sort of like early 2000s like where was there was the sort of ibu arms race where like Mm -hmm. i just want it to be as bitter as it can possibly be and every now and then one of those would work and you'd be like wow this is really interesting but it would all be so unbalanced and so extreme but people thought extreme was good because of reasons um that we'll get into another time, probably. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you would get things that were either really, 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 you know, bitter or would sort of get that really green hop flavor, which sometimes is great, mm. but in extreme, like, you're like, oh, I, it's like drinking yeah. grass clippings. Like, no, no. It's, and then um, hmm. on the flip side, either too sweet, too, like, especially as so you get some of the really strong double and triple IPAs. So hard to pull off effectively because there are some great ones but i'm going to read a uh, a quote from from garrett oliver and this is out of the uh oxford companion to beer which again only published 2012 so we're not going that long ago but he's talking a little bit just about this is in the double ipa entry and he says as of 2011 more than 100 double ipas were being produced by american craft brewers i mean just think of that as a number. Uh, and these beers are now beginning to have an influence in Europe and beyond. The style moniker double IPA, which he puts in like very judgy air quotes, and I, I'm here for it, it's okay, rankles with traditionalists who feel it confuses both brewing history and modern consumers. In its heyday, IPA was a well-defined style. I think, mm, we'll think about that, but and double IPA is a distinctly different beer. Perhaps it ought somehow to be named for its native California. The nomenclature has surely left the barn, however, triple and quadruple IPA cannot be far behind. And again, this is 2012. So. Don't be it's, it, uh. You know what? It's no wonder the New England and the East Coast IPAs took over and have been like reigning supreme of late because like, you know, as you say, Lisa, like it was one of those like competitions where everybody was like, how bitter can it get? How happy can it get? You know, it was like just adding more and more and more and more stuff in. And yeah. to, to the point that actually what was, what was the biggest loss was that hops are actually really expensive and you want to use use them wisely and you want to be able to taste them. You don't just want to taste blanket bitterness or blanket anything. But what was happening was that people were adding so much crap in there that they all started tasting exactly the same. Yes. Like that's it. Yep. Exactly the same. Yep. And 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 I will agree with you. Unpopular opinion, a lot of those IPAs tasted exactly the same. Yeah. Honest, just yeah. exactly the same. But it's you awesome, put them up. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're all, B, you know, we're BJCP judges or, you know, learning BJCP. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, you wouldn't really be able to make yeah. that much of a, of a difference between you the When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, when, when we first moved to Seattle, which would have been in 2015 or 16, we were surprised because, you know, moving from the East Coast to, to Seattle, we're like, oh, great, we're going to go all these cool Pacific Northwest IPAs and other stuff. But then we didn't realize that we wouldn't get anything else because you would go to a tap room, they would have 20 taps, 19 of them would be an identical strong IPA, yeah. Yeah. double or triple-ish, and there'd be nothing else. And you'd be like, really, guys, like, Come on, you know, yeah, like when bitterness is the end game and that's really what you're working with and you're probably using a similar hot profile, a similar mm-hmm. God, centennial, all those it's going to take, there's only so much if you're not paying attention to other things as part of the, like, yeah, there's only so much you can do if you're not really considering other things, other parts, um, which I think was really? probably behind. Yeah. Like you're saying the new England IPA, but also like the interest in Belgium IPAs and black. Absolutely. IPAs. Something different, like something, something different. Something yeah. Here. And, and I'm like, the, yeah. yeah. I was just gonna. I was, I was just gonna go back a little further in time, not far again. Sort of. This is again early two thousands, and in um, Michael Jackson's Ultimate Beer, which he, he autographed us for us because he was lovely and we, we miss him. He was a wonderful man, but he guy. has IPAs as aperitifs. I mean, that suggests nuance. Suggests that there's you know potentially some delicate flavors in you know that kind of thing. But you know he's talking about. Um, you know, IPAs were stronger so they could continue fermenting, which again, eh, maybe, maybe not. But he does talk about how, you know, it, it's really about how they're, they're dry. They, you know, you, you know they, they can sort of go with all these different kinds of food, which I completely agree with. But, you know, he's only got, I think, um, like 10 or something in here. And a lot of these are not made anymore. And it's these were very much kind of in that, you know, what we might call sort of historic IPA style, but historic for sort of what was still a British IPA in maybe the 60s or 70s to a certain extent. So certainly not something that would have, you know, gone, gone on any kind of holiday, if you like. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's fascinating how different they are, 
how you would have had that sort of citrusy or, you know, he describes a lot of them as having that sort of, you know, that, that oily hoppiness to them instead of just being hit over the head with, with that bitterness. And you think about how, you know, from sort of a craft beer perspective, you know, how Stone, that was their calling card back in the day where they were like, you're not extreme enough to like our IPA, which in retrospect is like a six and a half percent IPA. That's just fine. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, now it is. But I mean, at the time, exactly at, at the, the time, time, it was. It was just one of those things, and deal. it was a big deal, yeah. and it was annoying because if you didn't like IPAs at the time, you weren't cool. You know, like you were you were was, just not seen, and it was very blokey, and it was very you know, it was it, absolutely, and and again, mm. you have sort of lacking that that balance because, and then you know, again, in you know, uh, Garrett Oliver in Oxford Companion to Beer really does name check, um, you know, like Russian River with Pliny the Elder. And like, even though that's a double IP, it is gorgeous. It's beautifully balanced, has this great malt backbone. It's, you know, you, you're, you're not, you know, you don't feel like you're drinking something that's eight and a half, nine percent. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderfully done. And again, there are some great fresh hop beers, especially in the Pacific Northwest, where again, they get the balance right. And I, I think actually fresh hop beers are just one of the most wonderful things if you live somewhere where you can get them. I mean, it's, mm. and it's got to be seasonal. It's got to have all of that. Cause if it's not quite right, it's, it's not right. And like you were saying before, Tandy, like I love a black IPA, but mm-hmm. when it's the wrong hops and the wrong roast, you get that mm-hmm. sort of ashy flavor mm-hmm. and no, or you get something that's very tanniny or something yeah. and it's just, and then it's not good. But I mean, look, that's that sure. Like you could say that about any type of beer, you know, yeah. like as, as soon as you kind of do it wrong, it doesn't work. But I feel like a lot of people have gotten away with mediocre IPAs for years, just because yeah, yeah. you could kind of add a whole bunch of ups, you know, you, you could, you could so mask, yeah. exactly. You could mask yeah. a lot with your IPAs. And instead of it being the style that was like ridiculed for being, you know, the, everything but the kitchen sink style, it yeah. was one of those that was lauded as being the ultimate craft beer, you know? I agree. I think it was also kind of like cool points. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I can drink this like super bitter hot bomb. I'm super yeah. cool. And it's like, eh, like, right. I, I mean, like that, that's how it was when I started really getting into craft beer. Definitely. It was like, you wanted yeah. to drink the hoppiest, most intense beer. And, you know, yeah. oh, you, you know, you don't like this beer. Why don't you like this beer? Like, this yeah. is a good beer. Like, what is wrong with it? And it's just like, well, it's just it's just like really bitter but like i mean i was on that train i was drinking the ipas i'm making fun of myself (laughs) i I was definitely like give me the hoppiest you know most ridiculous ipas i was here for it but i think Mm -hmm. i just kind of burned out on it after a while um but when at first when i first got into it i was really there for those really strong ipas yeah yeah i remember getting um the the uh Oh gosh, which one is the end of history? Because I was like, I, well, and, and you know, these are always a bad decision when you get them. It's always like toward the end of the day, you've, you've probably had a few too many, but you're like, I will have the beer that costs $30 for, you know, whatever. Why not? And, um, you know, I'm glad I tried it, but at the same time, like, did I enjoy it? I, I don't know that it's the same experience. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's a very different beast but 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 again you don't want to you know fall into the the trap which like i take that box and that box and that box but it's it, it's a funny thing because when i look back again to that sort of late 90s early 2000s when it was all about kind of hops 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 bitter 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 like you know it was all about oh you know how many plenty of the elders have you had once you're like i don't need like two pints of it it is you know glorious to have a little you know little thing of it you're all, yeah. you're all good 
But, but, so, like, but like equally people, people have got that way with New England IPAs, right? Oh, yeah. With Hetty Topper and those sorts of things. And I, I have to admit that I'm somewhat guilty of this because my parents were in Vermont <laughs> and um, very kindly, um, they waited outside of Hetty, of um, the Alchemist and got me Hetty Topper and Focal Banger. Um, and when I went home to visit them, I was able to, you know, of course, drink them, which was just amazing. Thank you, parents, for the best birthday. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm also guilty of that. Oh, sure. Um, oh, we all are, though. We're yeah, caught up absolutely. In this. Absolutely. Yeah, well, fact- they were right next to it. So they were just like, yeah. they're like, listen, like the line's not that long. We'll go wait for you. This will be your birthday present. I was like, oh, see, that's beautiful. Birthday. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I dashed off in like 10 minutes, the most sort of half-assed thing ever about comparing Pliny the Elder and younger because I went to try both at a, at a charity tasting charity. I was doing good. Um, and it's like literally the worst thing I've ever written. It is the most popular thing I've ever written just because those two beers are in it and it gets searched for again and again. I feel like every now and then I'm like, God, I should write something that's like, look, I wrote this in like five minutes as a sort of, you know, thought experiment. It was not meant to be like the definitive, you know, tasting guide to either of these beers, but it's, um, you know, I feel like in, in some ways it's it's become that. And I feel like those beers in particular, too, represent a sort of very particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. And the industry has moved on in a lot mm-hmm. of other ways. But they're still kind of held up, which is which is sort of good and bad. It's it's a one of it's bad is exactly. But it's, it's strange that you do get these sort of I don't know, monoliths almost. Yeah, you do. Yes. But I think that there's something psychological about experiencing a beer that has sort of these connections within the craft beer community that kind of feel like you're not just drinking a beer, but perhaps you're partaking of part of this community. Like you're having shared experience. Definitely. Um, Like that's kind of how I felt like, okay, like I'm in Ireland. So a lot of times when I listen to podcasts or talk here about, you know, uh, I listen to a lot of non-Irish things. Yeah, yeah in america and it's like wow i can actually have this really famous american beer that other people have had and you kind of feel like you okay maybe i can connect a bit to that community now yeah yeah kind of tap into that to that thing and yeah i mean like there has to be like a i'm sure that there is like some psychological component of enjoying the beer simply because it's the beer and that mm-hmm. makes it better to you than maybe it actually yep. is but because it has all this aspect of community or where you're sitting or who you're with or what you're doing or your mood for the day that automatically makes it better because i know that i have beers that are probably average at best but i love them because the first time i drank it was an amazing experience yeah something like that so it's always going to be close to my heart regardless of whether it's the best beer in the world absolutely and Mm. although on the the flip side of that too and this is going to be terrible for people who've never been able to to drink it but during one philly beer week and again exactly the same reasons i was out with my my crew basically doing my the all women beer club i was in was doing a train-based beer crawl which oh my god so much fun oh my god that sounds exactly like a thing i would do Mm. oh my god very no first first or second stop was was a bar that was serving plenty the elder which again, you can get in Philly or you can get in California. I don't know why sometimes it's easier to get in Philly than in California, but you know, reasons. And they were serving it in like big chilled pints, like the worst, you know, way to drink this beer. And and so you got to be like judgy at the same time and be like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not the right way to do this at all. But also being like, all right, so, you know, going for it. And then by the time you get to the third place, you're like, oh, Maybe we can just slow down for a while. And not have you to know what? 
But you're no, raising you something. You're raising something that I think is really interesting. And I think it's particularly an IPA thing as well, is that we we have all been accused of being beer snobs. Okay, sure. we've all had it. And I'm telling you, it's an IPA thing because there was, I mean, you know, IPAs are just one of those beers that you can just, you can get super snobby about. You can yeah. be like, oh, your glass isn't right. Oh, it's not the right temperature. Yeah. Oh, you should warm it up. Oh, you should cool it down. You know, you, you like if there was ever a beer to give us a bad name, actually, it was the bloody IPA. As much mm-hmm. as we all love them and as much as yeah. they're iconic and as much as they're not even cult classics, they're just classics. Like, it's one of those things that brought out a whole lot into society and that like hipster notion of like mm-hmm. hipsters loving craft beer and being far too good for you in their rags. That comes from IPA straight yeah, up. I agree. And did you, did you guys like when you started getting into craft beer, like I got the, you know, sometimes from some like hipster dudes, like the pop quiz, like, Oh, do you like beer? Do you really like yes. beer? Yeah. What's an IPA? Oh, and that myth that we talked about, that was one of the things, well, where does an yes. IPA come from? And oh, why is it actually yeah. called? And it's like, now I'm like, well, it's actually a myth. So all that stuff that you yeah. said, not true. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> You're not done. But definitely got that pop quiz when I was like first started drinking beer. Same. <laughs> um, which was just really frustrating. But it was it was definitely like, I think I started like peak snob. Like where oh, people sure. were really like, oh, are you really like craft beer? Like, because as if women couldn't like craft beer unless they were trying to impress men. Mm. And you know, even I, I feel like even before that, there was a thing of like, oh, well, unless you like dark beer, you don't really. Unless you like Belgian beer, you don't yes. really. But I feel like IPAs have held sway for such a long time. And, I, and again, I think there is something in you can append IPA to anything. You really and, can. You really and can. and again, like a session IPA, it's a pale ale. Let's just. It's- yeah. You know. yeah. Can we please talk about that? Because they're freaking <laughs> the same thing. And I don't ever know why people get away with well, calling one them and one doesn't. And this yeah. is something I've, I've had this argument with, with brewers who are like, look, we know, but this is what sells. And I, I totally get it. You know, you're just putting on the label that sells, but again, then, you know, hmm. put your mind back 150 years. Was that true then too? You well, know, exactly. we don't know. Exactly. Like humans are very bizarre creatures (laughs) who do things for strange reasons because we like, we like what we like and we are completely irrational. Like we're just (laughs) totally irrational We also follow cults. We follow yeah. cults. Like we, we'll, we'll follow because you know what? When it, when it was all West Coast IPAs and it was like super bitter, like let's get off the IBU chart, you know, all of those things. That was one thing. Now it's the East Coast and it's it's still the East Coast IPAs. Guys, it's been East Coast IPAs for a very long time now. I'm a mm-hmm. little sick of them, to be honest. But here in Ireland anyway, I still see sometimes like these double IPAs. And then <laughs> like instead of just calling it an IPA, people will talk about how many times it was dry hopped. So now it's a double dry hopped IPA as if I fucking care. Just give me a good beer. Like I don't care how many times it was dry hopped actually give me the beer. Let me make, let me make up my own mind. But if I see yeah. another dry hopped, a double dry hopped IPA as if it's its own style, I actually might, like I just might blow up. I don't yeah. know. Now I, I, what I do think is interesting though, is at least now so many tell you like which hops they're using. That I is like fantastic. That. I, I love like that. that. Especially yeah. if there are a couple I don't love. So it's great to be able to like, Same. You know, have a look. Oh, dude, me too. And, and that's where you, you, can, get, you can get a lot of you. difference is if you change the hops. Like, yes. Absolutely. And you go from, you know, floral to earthy to spicy to, you know, new world tropical. And that's where you can get like a, a lot more interesting beer. Mm. Um, that said, I'm still very much on the New England IPA train. 
but that is because I don't drink a lot of them. So I mm. specifically seek out lagers and other types mm. of beer. So when I'm having an IPA, it's good because I don't want to get sick of it because I got sick of the West Coast style yeah. and I don't mm-hmm. want to get sick of the New England ones because I'm really here for the restrained bitterness and the tropical and juicy flavors, especially on a really nice sunny day. I think well, they're gorgeous. Like I think they're just, no, not today so much, but maybe this morning. Um <laughs> We'll give it a couple hours. It'll be sunny again. Um, but yeah, like I really, I'm, I'm really interested mm. in that, but I drink them, you know, limitedly because I don't want to ruin them for myself. Mm. And, and I think it, it is tricky too, because the, there are a couple of people who, you, you know, just always knock it out of the park. Like whiplash is always good. Even when I don't like other ones, I know that's going to be good because right. they just nail it. But then, you know, like you said, if you try mm. others where you're like, ah, oh, you can get really you know, cynical about the style because you're like, uh. and I, I definitely had that before I moved here because everything had become that and a lot of them weren't great. And so you have to kind of, there were still some that were really good and those were really good. But yeah, when you have the others that are kind of mediocre and, but again, I think it's true of any beer style, not just yeah. IPA. It's just so yeah. pronounced. I think with some of the New England ones that, because if it's not good, it's not good. And again, like with an IPA, you can hide a lot compared to like a lager but only so much. So, right. you know, you still mm-hmm. have to know what you're doing. It's, so yeah. here's another unpopular opinion. I, to this day, cannot tell the difference between a lot of the whiplash beers because there are so <laughs> many IPAs that I can't keep track. It's probably my <laughs> own failing, but like there are so many that I'm like, I, I look at the, I look at the ingredients in the can. I'm like, what, what changed? What, what changed? <laughs> the new West Coast one is really good. Look for that. I do want to try that because it is a little different from what they've been doing. They've been doing a lot of like East Coast and like everything has got oats. Everything's got eucanot, which I must, I hate eucanot. Sometimes it works, but like, it's just one of those things. It tastes like green pepper to me. It's gross. But, oh, interesting. Mm. Ooh, let's see. That's interesting too. There's a mm. whole other like, you mm. know, genetics of taste in there too. That is Absolutely. fun to unpick. It's but, a weird but- one. And but, see, I really, yeah. I like whiplash because they add the oats and the wheat. And I think, I think it's really interesting to see how creative they get with the, with the, with the malt mm. profile, because that's really interesting. And it makes something different in terms of an IPA. So I, I tend to, I'm with mm. Lisa, like if I'm drinking an IPA, you know, I know that if I get one from whiplash, it's going to be good. Especially like the Northern Lights, the micro IPA, that is yes. so hard to do well. No, that oh is my God. Good. But that is just amazing. That's a great yeah. one. I, I mean, look, and I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying this one from from Metal Men. To be honest with you, it's, oh, lovely. It's, it, it's really like tropical and fruity, which I really really like. Mm. And it has that fuller and creamier flavor, but it's not too creamy or too full. So it's definitely still like very much approachable. Um, and yeah, it's five point eight percent, which isn't too high of an APV yeah. because sometimes yeah. people with IPVs are really or a- IPAs. The ABV <laughs> is very hard. <laughs> True. Um, yes which I, I don't also like. I like the lower ABVs yeah. um, because I don't just drink one beer. So mm. I really like to like brews, just standard IPA is like, I want to say like 5%, like maybe 4.8. Oh my gosh. Perfect for like being outside in the sun mm. on the rare occasions when we get that. But it's, <laughs> you know, I feel like it is a perfect beer for that. And it's got all the right, you know, it hits all the right notes in the profile. You get the hoppiness, but you get the malt and you sort of biscuity backbone. And again, you can get some that are a little unbalanced. So it's nice to have something you can just grab. And, and like you say, have more than have more than one of, because it, mm. I would say, especially in the States, and I don't know, Tandy, if you found this in South Africa as much, mm. uh, but you know, they do tend to be, or at least the popular IPAs, whether they're New England or whatever, do tend to be, you know, 7%, 8%. And I can only do so many of them. I'm only small. 
So. I've seen them like yeah. 12, 10, 12 percent. Like, yeah, oh, crazy. It's crazy. This? Like, yeah, what uh, if I'm for dessert? Sure, but like of an afternoon? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, especially at beer mm. festivals. I'm like, how am I going to drink a 12 percent beer at a beer? F- you'd have to have like the tiniest. Yeah, but. Amount. Just, just a taster. Beer. But then it means that you're never going to buy the beer. So for me, it's not a good strategy to take yeah. like, like big old beers, unless that's the only way you're going to sell them is like as tasters. And then you're charging for tasters. So, you know, people yeah. do it differently. You know, you know, I think um, in a lot of ways there was, I mean, before I left South Africa, there were a lot of like big IPAs and it was one of those things, but it, it, it had already moved a little bit towards other mm. styles and towards other things. And I came, I came here and I was smack bang in the middle of like IPA fever. And I thought, nah, okay, cool. And because I love IPAs, truly, I really do. And it took me a little while to actually like them because I guess maybe I didn't like the bitterness or maybe I didn't understand the fruitiness or maybe I didn't, it didn't quite cotton up straight away. But once I did, I was full on, full on IPA snob, loved all of them and, and give me all of the big ones. Like I was, I was right there, but Christina kind of like you, I, I, I got so sick of them. Like I just drank so many that they're sort of tasting the same and all of that. But I think a lot of people are screaming now around the world for different styles, sessionable beers. You know, people are loving alcohol-free or low alcohol. So Mm -hmm. like your micro IPAs, people are loving other styles. Thank God, lagers. Thank God for that. Lagers are back. (laughs) I I, um, (laughs) I do somewhat fear, though, that we'll be here in five years going, I'm so sick of lagers. (laughs) Maybe. You, you're probably right. You're probably They're all right. tasting the same. They're all the same. God, yeah. you're probably right. Oh, how terrible. So maybe it's just one of those things, right? They go in and out of fashion. <laughs> and, and you know, whatever the flavor of the month is or flavor of the year is, that's that's what that's what reigns. And, you know, I don't know. That's what happens. But, yeah. like, right now when I'm making decisions on what to buy, like, I don't go for double dry hopped IPAs at 13%. Yeah. And it's not because they're probably not good. It's just because I don't, I don't feel like that. I feel like I feel like that new rice lager from Rascals because I haven't oh, had I'm that yet. That. I'm very yeah, curious. Yeah. And I love a rice lager. So that's what I want. Or, yeah, you know, I want, yeah, a, good, I want like, a good vit from uh, Wicked. Yeah, yes. so, Summery, yeah. cocktail you know, that, you know, there's a time and place. You know, it's, yeah. all, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. When, I've been looking I'm, at my... I'm the same when I'm, when I'm reaching for beer, it's low, lower ABV and then like lagers or pale ales or something just easy to drink, but interesting, but interesting. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And then again, there are some really good, like, again, even though let's, let's be real, they are pale ales, but there are some great session IPAs again, like four provinces. Oh my gosh. It's really good, Mm -hmm. but it gets all, you know, it ticks Mm -hmm. all the right boxes for a, an IPA that's just a little lower key and it's it's you know again it's paleo but it's beautiful and you know i love to be able to have it you know have a can of that i know like they're open again you can go and get takeaway pints which sounds amazing but uh but, but again like thinking about like you know your cascadian dark ales you have so many of them tend to be seven eight percent but there's a real you know sort of um you know sort of happy place around sort of five six that i would love to see more in that space and just more of them available to you again i don't care what we call them i understand why some purists get very fussy about it i've been that person again i've you know i've been 100 percent the person's like but that's not accurate we can't do that (laughs) but also i've gotten over it i've worked through it um let's call it whatever i'm happy to have you know a, a, a dark ipa and again there was even like a big historical sort of kerfuffle early sort of 2000s of were ipas darker in color mm. again we don't have fantastic evidence either way but there was a sort of 
probably for a while, um, just based on what you could see of the grain bills and, and so on of some historical ones. But again, it's what we have evidence of. It's not in any way the full picture. So, and I think this is a, a you know, I'll sort of you know, lament this on, on like Irish beer Twitter too. We have so few records of, you know, what we should have. Obviously there's the Diageo have all the Guinness stuff, but what about everyone else? Like where are all of those brewing records? They're either in someone's attic somewhere or they're gone. And it would just be great to compare contrast and know what people were actually making. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, obviously like the, the, the issue with written records is just because someone wrote something down doesn't mean that's the way it was happening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to, you know, use them with archeology span if we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have those, and so we have to be really careful when we're using written records, um, depending yeah. on how far you're going back. But like, if, if it's not within living memory, um, because yeah, people can write things that just aren't true or write mm-hmm. what they wished something was yes. and not necessarily what reality is. Like it can be prescriptive, like in this, uh, in this, in my ideal of reality, this is what we should be doing, but it might not have been what was actually happening. Exactly. Or it just may not have been common. Like it could be what they yeah. were doing, but not what everyone is doing. And fair enough, right? Or they yeah. did it one time and then they said, this yeah. is what we're doing all of the time. Yeah. And again, mm. was it written down because it wasn't happening? I mean, I think that's, you know, when yeah. you, know, you look at certain, certainly legal history, people wrote things down because people were doing things, yeah. not because they weren't doing things. So it's uh, exactly you know, the reverse. It yeah. could be a wish list. Like, come on, yeah. we need to be doing this. You aren't doing this. How many times do I need to tell you? I'm going to write it down for you so you can read it. <laughs> So we can do this. Please do this. And then they're still like, nah. Exactly. And, and you know, and you're the, like, you know, that's assuming too everyone was doing, you know, the right things. I, I think, you know, certainly we know people are always like, okay, but can I get this cheaper? Can I, you know, people are looking to make a profit. They're not necessarily looking to have exactly. the best product, especially if the people you're shipping it to get it four months later and can't complain. Do you care? Exactly. No, you sold it. Yeah. So it's, it's perfectly possible that they were writing this down, saying that they were doing this and then cutting the corners and cutting the cost and just not doing it to save a buck. Um, I mean, it's Humans equally possible been. that they were listening to it. But, you know, yeah. like we have evidence from medieval period of, of people cheating their customers. So, you know, humans are going to human and that means they're <laughs> probably going to cheat and they're probably so, you know. <laughs> Cheaper is good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, friends, I think it's just about time for us to wrap up. Are there any final thoughts now on IPAs, whether it's culture, your favorite, your favorite style, anything that uh, that you'd like to add? Christine, I'll go to you. Well, I'm from the East Coast, so uh, East Coast <laughs> IPAs all the way. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but right? but, no. but I do I do, I do do really like East Coast IPAs. Um, I think this one from Metal Man is really, really nice. Um I've had lots of really good ones. I think Rascals had a really nice one. Um, I've, yeah, I've tried quite a few really good ones, actually, in, in Ireland. Um, some that I've preferred to American versions of when I've gone home and tried. So I will say that the Irish craft beer community has done a really good job on New England IPAs. Um, I don't, actually don't think I've had one here that I haven't liked um, full stop. So, yeah, I think they've done a really good job with that. But then again, like I said, I drink them sparingly so I don't get sick of them because they do like <laughs> Fair enough. Lisa, any parting thoughts from you, friend? Yeah, I think, again, I always go back to, you know, the different the different kinds of hops and knowing that what we had historically is nothing like what we had today, even just in the last 20 years. Like, just hop breeding is such a different science that there's no way we can really compare the flavors. But that said, I do love what, 
you know, the other East Coast IPAs, the ones that are sort of, which I'm putting in air quotes, traditional English ones that are maybe a little lower key, sort of five, six percent, as opposed to being sort of seven, eight. I think of like uh, Yards has a wonderful IPA. They, they're a strong one. They're Cape of Good Hope IPA, which again, bringing in the whole mythology of sailing around the Cape of Good Hope, all of that. But it's it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous beer. But I do love a lot of my West Coast IPAs. In fact, one of my, my favorite things lately has been the uh, Thornbridge collaboration with uh, Firestone Walker. It's called Pondera. It is a gorgeous, just, you know, I'll say 1990-style West Coast IPA. Really, really good. But but again, to Christina's point, there are Irish breweries here doing an amazing, amazing job. I, I think of, you know, I, I love, like, Hope's IPA, the Handsome Jack, is just mm -hmm. so good as a go-to. All the Whiplash stuff, again, their new West Coast IPA is great. And obviously, mm -hmm. their New England ones are great. But I think there are... There are just a lot that are really, really good. The Ballykill Cavan Millhouse one, which is kind of their their session IPA, just oh, that's lovely, beautiful yeah. beer, and you know, nice to get them when we can get them like nice and fresh. And you know, we're not going to see amazing fresh hop beers just because we're not growing enough hops here to get that sort of mm. you know fresh hop thing uh, every sort of you know August September. But it'd be interesting if we did start to get that just for those people who are growing their own hops, plant plant that seed. Your you know your canvases and people who are trying to do that uh, maybe in a year or two. Let's check it yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. You just reminded me of um, <laughs> of, of a beer from CBC, who I mentioned in the last episode. Um, back in South Africa, they had a beer called the the, the Cape of Good Hops, <laughs> <laughs> and it was Perfect. an Imperial IPA. Actually, it was, but it was a really, really good um, West Coast, seriously bitter, like mm. really, really bitter. And the, the label was phenomenal. Um, so I don't know if they still make it or, you know, indeed uh, what's going on with it, but that was a lovely beer. My goodness. Yeah, no, so anyway, part, parting thoughts. I, I, I'm probably I'm probably a little bit seasonal with these kinds of things mm, as well. You know, yeah. sometimes I really love New England IPAs or East Coast because they're just, they're soft and they're easy and they're yeah. lovely and they're just delicious. And then, then I have the days like today where I'm like, ah, fuck those guys. I want a West Coast. I want bitterness. Like I want strength and I want all of the things. But, you know, I think it's cool that there's a lot of different kinds of IPAs out there. And I think it's one of those styles that you can find a favorite. Like you can. Yeah. It, it almost, you, you know, we always talk about the fact that people can find their favorite kind of or style of beer. But I think even within an IPA family, you could find you could find your favorite. Maybe it's because they're, yeah, but IPAs are super versatile and you can, you can tack on that IPA to almost any style and make it fun. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think IPAs are iconic and it's nice to celebrate them sometimes, even if, uh, even if we disagree as to which ones are the best. <laughs> All right. Uh, fam, friends, everybody in between, uh, thank you for listening to the Beer Ladies podcast. This was our episode 30 on IPAs. It was um, another addition to our style guide, which we're slowly growing. So um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what your favorite IPAs are, whether in Ireland or around the world. Um, let us know your favorites. Let us know what you like and dislike an IPA. Are you firmly East Coast, firmly West Coast, or firmly somewhere else, elsewhere? You know, tell us all the things. And uh, go ahead, follow us there on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube, please, please, please. And uh, we will see you next week with another Beer Ladies podcast episode. Thank you, friends. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.